All right. Well, I am pumped for uh, Bishop and Pastor Gloria to be here uh, next week. Um, you, you need to let people know. Um, these are my spiritual parents. Like, I can't even express to you what they've done for me and through their ministry and um, being a, here and a, a part of Faith Builders Church here under the leadership of Pastor Barb. Uh, just been an incredible experience for me, my wife, my family, and uh, I want to encourage all of you, get out here for that. Um, there's things that God does with certain timing where he's prepared you and so on and so forth, and sometimes you're wondering, well, when's that breakthrough going to come? I'll tell you, these are people uh, like us, praise the Lord, they're imperfect just like you and I, but they carry an incredible anointing that uh, really I've seen over the years uh, be so expressive of things that are completely unexplainable in many cases in my, my life with them. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about something that I think we're all familiar with, and that is the covenant that God made with Abram and how that covenant has actually come and become a part of our relationship with Christ and how that works. I think sometimes we as Christians can get a little religious, hallelujah, in what we do, how we think about Christ. We believe in what someone told us more than really the way it happened and the way it should happen. And so I want to really help you understand this morning the importance of the covenant and how the covenant came into being and how that actually relates to uh, us taking communion uh, in the house of God or even in your home. Um, some of you may be out there and going, well, how do I take communion to my home? The pastor's not there. The elder's not there. The, the, the service is not there. It has to be done in the house of God. You are the house of God. You are the temple of God. And you have the ability to take that incredible opportunity in any area of your life. You shouldn't do it religiously. You should do it out of faith that God has given to you and understanding what that covenant has done for you. And we're going to get into some teaching about that uh, this morning. I'm going to start with uh, Genesis chapter 15, and we'll hold off on the scripture for just a second here until I can get down through a little bit here. I don't, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of this. It's a lot of content, but I want to hit the highlights for you, and then we'll really get into what this is all coming uh, down to. But in Genesis uh, chapter 15, it says that God promised to protect Abram, protect him all the time, all the time. And I'm telling you, as much as he promised that to Abram, you're going to find out this morning that he's also promised that to you. He will always protect you. He will always, the second thing he did in that covenant, that your reward would be great as a result of the covenant that God made with Abram. You have to understand that God has a great reward for you individually and corporately as the body of Christ. God's not just about the corporate church. He's about you, his temple as well. So when we start to go through some of this, you have to understand this isn't just for the corporate expression, although it is for that. It's also for the individual expression so that you can live your life in a godly way. It said in verse 2 there, it just he, the way Abram addresses uh, God in this proactive uh, covenant that he's brought to Abram is he says, Oh, 
sovereign Lord. That's how he responds. Oh, sovereign Lord. Well, sovereign means that God gets to do what God gets to do when God gets to do it. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is happening right here, right now. And it happens, it continues to happen even in this day and age that we're in. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But what you have to understand is there is a sovereign God that we sometimes, if we're not careful, will become more religious and think, well, this is how a service goes and this is how this goes and we all sit in the same seats and we all do the same things and, you know, we clap our hands and lift our hands and all. And all of those things are incredible. All of those things are awesome until God does a new thing because he's what? He's sovereign. He does what he's going to do. And we see that all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament. God brings these dispensations at different times, and he begins to roll these things out. Now, imagine you yourself in a situation where maybe you're not seeing God as sovereign right now. God, have your way in me. I, yeah, but man, this problem and this circumstance and this is up, I'm up against this and my boss has been like this and man, I've been praying about this and maybe now's not the time. Maybe I'm not qualified. Oh, you know, oh man, there's so many obstacles. I don't know what to do. You're not seeing God the way God needs to be seen. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. And the covenant that he did for Abram is your covenant through Jesus Christ. You got to understand that. So now all of a sudden, whatever it says in the word of God, where God did this or God did that, God's a respecter of his word, not a respecter of people. And so there's a missing ingredient that we're going to get into. I'm almost getting ahead of myself just a little bit. But there's a missing ingredient. When you begin to understand that God is sovereign, there's an ingredient that you're going to need to have that gets revealed here in this story. It says that he was going to make many descendants out of Abram. Now, Abram was at a point in his life where he's, he's figuring out his retirement plan is what he's doing. He's like, listen, God, I don't have anybody to give all this stuff to. I got all this stuff, and I don't have anybody to give it to. And God's like, I am going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to make you that. But God, I'm old. Man, I am old. I don't know if you know how things work in the real world that I live in with me and my wife, but where he was at right then in that moment is he wouldn't understand the sovereign nature of God. All things are possible to those who believe, right? Everything, everything. Ask anything in my name and I'm going to do it. So these are all covenant things that are now ours in this life. But it says here that Abram believed the Lord. He didn't believe his circumstance any longer. He didn't believe what he was witnessing. He didn't believe in all the wrinkles on his body. He didn't believe in, you know, well, me and my wife haven't been that way together in a little minute here because we're, you know. He didn't believe in any of that. He said, Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. You are righteous, not because you live a perfect life. I, I'm telling you, the Bible actually says that anybody says that they're without sin is of the devil. 
if you could do this on your own, then there's no cause for Christ. Let's just you know, close down the church here and just go out and do other things because you're okay. You can go do it on your own. But I'm here to tell you as a man of God, you'll never be able to do it on your own. You'll never be able to do it on your own. But if you don't see God as sovereign and you don't have a measure of faith, then you have no right to become righteous or holy or blameless. You're going to be stuck in a rut all the days of your life, and you're going to be scratching your head going, well, how come my life isn't going like someone else's life? What am I suffering for? And they get all the good stuff. It's a measure of faith that God has given to you. The inventor of that faith, this is a dispensation that has occurred with Abram at the point where God is coming and says, I'm going to build a new covenant through you, and there's going to be many descendants. And you got to understand, the thing that qualified the blessing or the covenant was because A, God was sovereign, and B, Abram invented something new. Faith. I have no idea how this is going to happen. But I know that you're a sovereign God, and you can do through me what you want to do. How many people know that when Abram uh, was told this by God, what did God have him do? He said, look to the stars, right? How many people know that the earth is not flat? It ain't flat. It's round. So if I'm standing here as Abram and I look to the stars, I'm only seeing a fraction of what actually exists. That doesn't even get into how many stars are beyond the stars that I can see. Like with the Hubble telescope and all that, and they're like, oh my goodness, we thought we'd find the end and we can't find the end. There's more and more and more and more and more. This doesn't even get into what was on the other side of the planet, which was beyond his view. You see, this covenant was not just intended for a nation. It was intended for a world. Jesus said that he came to save the world. He didn't come to save a country. He came to save the world. And you and I are part of that world. And the same covenant that has been established with Abram is the same, absolute same covenant that we walk in through the finished work of Jesus Christ by our faith, just as he did. You also have to understand that how this happened, I think I'm getting a little ahead, but we'll cover it twice if we need to. You got to understand that what Abram received was faith. That's what he really got. Yes, God made all these promises, and I'll bless you, and I'll do this for you, and I, I'm going to do everything, and I'll protect you. And I, listen, man, you, I, I got your back. I'm never going to leave you. It's an everlasting covenant. And man, it, everything's good. But what he really got was faith to believe for the things that God had for him. And so again, the, the qualifier isn't whether I'm a Jew or a Gentile. It's whether I have faith. That was the game changer, because without the faith, Abram would not have become righteous, and he would have had to find his own way, which he tried, right? He's got a handmaiden, Hagar, and he just thought, you know what, this is taking too long. God, you know, like, man, can't you pick it up a little bit here? Me and my wife are trying our best, and this is not working out, and, you know, he got stuck in a rut, didn't he? Yeah. And he just thought, well, I'll just go and do this. I mean, it's the closest thing. 
I mean, come on, you know, we'll just get it on and we'll have a baby and we'll be done. The problem with that is, is that's what created the Middle East. We're still dealing with that problem. Still, to this day, dealing with that problem. So here you have this incredible man of God, just like you're an incredible man or woman of God through Christ, with the same power or effect of faith in the same promises, which are better promises, and all we have to do is harness that into our daily life. How much of your time this week did you spend focused on all your problems? And you gave up. You quit. You're just like, man, it's just the same old, same old. Here it comes again, you know. Man, I do my best. I tithe. I go to church. I read my Bible. I do all these things. Listen, there isn't enough you can possibly do is what I'm trying to help you understand. But everything you do is unto the Lord by faith is going to produce the outcome of this covenant that he has. So let's read verse 9. You're going to love this. There's so much revelation from verse 9 to 11. But here's what the Lord said. The Lord told Abram, he says, go and get three, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to God, and he did what? He killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures, this is a real revelation here. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. So here you have him creating this incredible altar experience. You do that. I do that. I, I mean, I just want to have a relationship with God. I've prepared my table, and I'm ready to do things big for God. And what happens is some distraction starts to come and tries to rob you of what God told you to do. And then you give up. You quit. You walk away. Oh, man, it's too hard. It's too difficult. You don't understand. Pastor Barb gave an incredible word for you this morning. You can be liberated from all that. All you got to do is create another chapter. If you could write that one, you can write any other chapter. But don't write the next one without faith. Don't write the next one based on what happened to you 10 years ago. Close the chapter. Some of you need to actually throw the book away and just get, create a new book. Praise the Lord. I'm a brand new creation in Him, not because of how good I am, but because of how great God is. God wants to do this for you. He's already done it. He's already made a way where there seems to be no way. But you've got to get in faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God. It's that critical in your walk with God that everything you do, everything you put your hands to, everywhere you put your feet... Praise the Lord, it's mine and it's blessed. God's given that to you. You've got to remember that and you've got to keep that at the forefront of your mind. Otherwise the vultures are going to come and they're going to mess up everything. But what was interesting is God didn't chase off the vultures. Abram chased off the vultures. 
You can do this. We've all taken communion here, haven't we? We all know about the, the body, which is or the bread, which is the body. We know about the, 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 the juice, which is the blood, right? We, we all do that. How did that juice become juice? What happened to those grapes? They were crushed. They were broken. And out of that, all of the impurities and all the stuff that doesn't belong in juice got left along the wayside, and it doesn't exist as it pertains to this right here. This is the blood of Christ. This is, is when Abram took the animals and he killed them. This is what run out of them. Blood. Blood run out of those animals. It also says that after he killed them, what did he do to the animals? He broke them into two pieces. He broke them. Just like we break the bread. You've got to understand that it's not your pastor who's going to break the bread for you. It's not anybody else that can break this bread for you. You have to break Christ himself. You have to do that effort. You have to do that work. And you have to participate in what happened through Christ. It's critical that we understand that this loaf of bread cannot be produced without going out and growing the grain out of the ground and taking that grain and, and, and sifting that grain and grinding that grain so that there's nothing left but the perfect flour to make this bread. Every part of the story has been broken for you. Every part of the story has absolutely been completed for you. All you need to do now is take the element of that bread and you yourself break that. You have to participate in that. It's important that you understand this is not just a wafer and not just a little cup of juice. This is life. I am here, I mean, under a covenant that God has for me that as I do this in remembrance of Him, I break the body of Christ myself. I drink of the blood myself. I need this to happen in my life. I need to bring in remembrance. What did Jesus really do for me? He made a way where there seemed to be no way for us. He paid a price. And I mean lives as an eternal being in heaven. He is God. He is man. And he gave us the most important thing he could do. Which was his life as a sinless man. And now he has paid that price for us. Next time you do communion, trust me, listen, we've all seen the, the picture of, of Jesus and the disciples, and they're all breaking the bread, right, the painting. Here's a little secret. It didn't happen that way. They weren't all sitting in a line on one side of the table. Right? I know, it's hard to believe. But what we're trying to do is take an Eastern experience in trying to westernize it so it all you know makes sense to us and it's pretty and you know Jesus got blue eyes and blonde hair you know and white skin listen he didn't have white skin 
we got to get rid of all this religious nonsense. It's useless. As much as the law, which we're going to find out in a second, was useless, the religion that we create in these these warm and fuzzy experiences, and, you know, we see Jesus, you know, little baby Jesus, you know that one, right? That's how we want to see Jesus, little baby, our little baby Jesus. Listen, he ain't baby Jesus. He's a king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. He He has overcome the biggest limitation we'll ever experience, which is death. Overcame it. If you're not careful, you'll slip down these little slippery bunny rabbit holes and stuff and be like, oh, you know, I got to do my religious duty. Oh, I got to take my kids to church because they praise the Lord. Somebody has to teach them the ways of God. No, you teach that in your own house. That's your house. That's your house. They don't have to like it. They don't have to want it. None of that. But it is your responsibility, as much as it is Pastor Barb's responsibility to be our pastor here at this church, it is your responsibility as the parents to be the kings and priests of your own home. Yeah, it's important. It's important. And it's all coming out of this body and out of this blood. Hallelujah. Chase those vultures away in Jesus' name. After he does this, God says, you know what? I promise you great wealth great wealth every person in this room by faith in the promises of God is entitled to I don't even mean like oh you know you're going to have to work 87 hours a week and you know go without sleep for a month and you know do all the crazy stuff that the world does. No, you have the favor of God. You have the blessing of God. You have the covenant of God. You have better promises with God. You have all that. The world ain't got any of that. But if you're not careful, you'll mix the oil and the water together and then you'll expect that God's still going to bless you that way and you didn't have the faith and you did it your own way just like Abram did and then you create a bigger problem and the whole time, the whole time you had this incredible opportunity to have faith and incredible opportunity to do this in remembrance of Him and take on that body, take on that blood and say, you know what? I am going to do things differently in my life. And nothing is going to stop me from accomplishing those things. Genesis 17, before I even get into that, aren't you glad that God made the covenant before he made the law? Things could have got real screwed up if that happened. Like, oh no, we're doing the law first. So you've got to meet all that. And if you don't, then you don't get this. That would have really messed stuff up. Listen, there's dispensations, there's order with God, there's structure with God, and God does things a certain way. How did, when Adam and Eve sinned, God came down, and he saw them, and he says, where are you? He says, we're hiding over here because we're all ashamed. What was the first act that God did? He killed an animal. It's all about the blood. It's all about the blood. In Genesis 17... It talks about how Abram had to serve God faithfully and live a blameless life. It's the difference between sinless and blameless. Big difference. And so he didn't ask him to live a sinless life. 
because he knew he couldn't. He asked him to live a blameless life. This is all part of the covenant. It's our obligation not to get condemned when we do things that we know we shouldn't have done. Anybody in here done something stupid they wish they wouldn't have done? Praise the Lord, only like 10%. Hallelujah. You have to reevaluate, is there a need for Christ at all? And he says that he, so we have to serve him how? Faith, fully. It's not enough just to serve. It's not enough just to do the stuff. I have to do it with faith. And if I'll add faith to what I'm doing, I'm telling you, faith with works brings the covenant into action. Faith without works is completely cursed and useless and will lead you down a path where you'll blame your pastor. I know nobody blames Pastor Barb. They usually blame me. Praise the Lord. But you'll blame your church, you'll blame the way the government is, you'll blame, 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 blame. You'll have a million reasons why the covenant doesn't apply to you. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's time to run those little buzzards off. This is a covenant you have with God Himself. The covenant is there, it's up to you to get rid of the buzzards. Praise the Lord. But he said that he would, if, he would, if he would serve him faithfully and live a blameless life, not a sinless life, but a blameless one, he would give him countless descendants. Again, you've got to remember his perspective was one, from one place on the planet. He didn't see what, how big this thing truly was going to become. He didn't realize this isn't just about a nation. This is about the world and every person, anyone who wills. Come, and that he was going to make a brand new way to do that. He said that he would make him a father of a multitude of nations, S. Not a nation, of nations, plural. He changed his name. said that he'll make him extremely fruitful, that's what it says in Genesis 17. And your descendants will become many nations. Again, plural. Sometimes we've got to be careful about our own perspective. At our own altar. As we look out to the expanses of what God wants to do for us. And understand it's far more than you could ask or think with your brain. So God wants to do something far greater than what you're containing in your brain. Your brain is really dumb. It doesn't know very much. You can learn a lot of facts and things, but it doesn't know very much. The important thing to do with your brain, the one that thinks for you, you know, and you're going to do this or you're not going to do that, is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The blameless part. The blameless part. And then everything else will be added to you. That's what the Bible says. It's a reconfirmation of the covenant that God made with Abram for you. He said that in in, uh, uh, Genesis 17 as well, he says he'll confirm his covenant with him and all of his descendants and that the covenant would be an everlasting covenant. So that means that the covenant actually applies 
today as much as it did that day. And it also means that on your worst day, your best day, and every day in between, praise the Lord, I still have faith in the covenant that God has for me. This is a whole other way of living. This is a whole other way of seeing your life and your kids and, and what you have and what you don't have and go, well, wait a second, well, what's the will of God in all of this? Because once you can hear that voice of God, then you have a clear path to follow. And trust me, you're not going to be good enough to do it on your own. You're going to need that faith and that covenant and the promises of God. To accomplish everything that God has for you in your life. But I want to read here in uh, verse 9. And it says, and we've got that in the back. And then it says, God said to Abraham, Abraham, not Abram anymore, which God changed your name as well. Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. What were the terms of the covenant? Have faith. Be blameless. But there's one more thing. Everybody say one more thing. He says, you and your descendants have the continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh from your foreskin and the sign of the covenant between me and you. Remember, it's not you and him. It's him and you. From the generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to the the members of your family, but servants, like Gentiles maybe, whom you have all purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies, hear this, will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Now, we all know in the New Testament that we no longer need to be circumcised to get that. But what we don't understand, many of us, is why that is. And we're going to get into that in communion. But I want to pull up that scripture found in Galatians, if we can, uh, chapter 6, verse 17. We're going to read this scripture together. I want us all to say the first three words together. So on a count of three, I want you to say from, now, on. And I want you to say it with a level of authority. So we're going to say this on a count of one, two, three. From now on. You see the difference? I can read that and say from now on. Or I can say from now on. Don't let anybody trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that show that I belong to Jesus. You see the difference here? There's a passive expression of this that I think a lot of Christians would say, and that's how they believe it. But there's an active one too. And I'll tell you what, let's leave that scripture up there. I have had in my lifetime the experience, and and don't hate me because of this, praise the Lord, otherwise you've got to hate Abram too, and Abraham. But I've, I've, I've killed animals in my life. Hunting and farming and 
there's been a lot of experiences in those areas. I grew up in Wisconsin. That's, that's how you do things. And anybody who in here who eats a piece of meat, by goodness, you should probably do it yourself as well at some point in your life. But what I will tell you is in that process of taking an animal like that, it is not an easy thing. You see all these guys with trophy animals and all this crazy nonsense. I hate that stuff. I don't believe in any of it. But they glamorize something that is not glamorous in any way. I wish I could take that trophy hunter guy and put him back when he was 11 years old and he shot his first deer and the fear and the reverence that he felt in the presence of that animal. I remember it on a farm. I remember the first deer that I, I, I had shot. And I'm telling you, you come up to that thing and you realize really quick, there's nothing perfect about this process right here. Absolutely nothing. And you are standing there with this animal that's as big as you are, sometimes bigger, cattle and things like that. And I'm telling you, when you're standing there with that animal and you know you have to finish everything, you have to take that animal apart. There's nothing perfect in that process. Absolutely nothing perfect in that process. I've done it a hundred times probably, maybe more. And I'm telling you that every time I've done it, it's a different process. It's the same thing you're doing, but trust me, it's not the same experience every time. It's completely imperfect. If I take this body of Christ and I break it, what's the chances of me breaking it right down the center? Exactly down the center. Zero. Unless I've got a, a laser and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to measure this thing and, and know exactly where it is. The chances of me breaking this in a perfect way right down the center, even though that's my intention, is zero. So I have to understand when I'm taking communion. I broke Christ myself. I'm doing this in remembrance of what he did, which is tied to the covenant. I'm going to read you the scripture in a little bit. Tied to the covenant. This is his blood. This bull represents Jesus. This bull represents you and I. These two separate don't count for nothing. If I take the blood of Christ in my communion, I'm talking about, and I pour that into myself, Is there any possible way of separating what I poured into this from what was inside of me? Impossible. That is what happens to you when you do this in remembrance of Him. Just like Abram had to split the animals and break them into pieces. 
just as he had to kill them so that their blood would come out. This is the same exact process, only we have a far better covenant. Listen, the, the priests had to go and they had to go and do this for themselves before they could do it for the other people. Sometimes they didn't survive it. They, they had to put bells on the bottom of their, their skirts and they had to have a rope tied around their leg so that when they went into the Holy of Holies, if they stopped hearing the jingle jangle, like this guy's dead in here. And they had to have a way to get him out because they couldn't go in for themselves because they'd be killed in the presence of God. So they have to drag him out of there. Thank God we don't live under a system like that anymore. I'm going to ruffle a feather, and I don't know who this is for. But you've got to hear this by the Spirit of God. There is no priest that can listen to your sins and tell you to go and do something, and then all of a sudden you are free from that. That is a complete lie of the devil. That means man can do that for you. There's no cause for Christ with that. Let's just go back to the law then. Let's just live the Ten Commandments. Good luck with that one. No one could do it. You are changed. Let's, this scripture again, now that I've done this. Next time you take communion, you don't have to do it here. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in your car. I don't care where you're at. You can do it at work. You can do it anywhere, anywhere you want to do. It's not about the place. It's about the covenant. The next time you do this, remember you're breaking Christ yourself. The next time you do this, remember the same blood that he shed is now part of your blood. The next time you do this, read this scripture right when you're done. From now on, from now on, I'm not going to let anyone trouble me with anything. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus Christ. This is a whole other level of living. This is a whole other level of you saying, you know what? Stop. I'm not going to pay attention to the fact that my husband's not saved anymore or my kids are running amok or whatever's going on in my world. I'm up to debt my eyeballs. Whatever it is, I'm not going to let that continue in my life. And I, before I even end that, I'm going to come over. I'm going to find a loaf of bread. I don't care if it's wonder bread. I don't care if it's whole wheat. It doesn't make any difference. I'm going to break that bread as if I'm breaking Christ myself. And I am going to drink of this blood. And I am forever changed. And I'm no longer going to settle for a, a religious idea about Jesus Christ anymore. I have been set free by the power of Jesus. And there's nothing by any means that shall ever harm me in my life. But it starts with from now on. From now on. Nobody gets to come into that space anymore. I'm changed. God said that He would grant me the desires of my heart. My first desire is to please Him. But guess what? I have other real desires. I have other real challenges in my life. And I want those things restored in my life. And guess what? 
from now on, I don't care if I got to go back to this table a thousand times, from now on, I bear the marks of Christ in my life. And every time I take communion going this day forward, I am going to declare that over my life and over my situation. I want to make sure every person in this room knows about the Jesus that I'm talking about. He isn't the one probably that someone told you about. He's a real being that wants to occupy your space, wants to live inside of you. It's make you brand new, make you change, change you from the foundation of every thought and thing you've ever done. I want you to say this prayer together with me this morning. Don't say it religiously. Don't say it as another pleading prayer that isn't going to go anywhere. Let's make it a from now on prayer this morning. Just bow your heads. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the body of Jesus. I bear on my body the marks of Christ. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. You said that prayer this morning. You meant it with all your heart. I want you to slip your hand up in acknowledgement between you and your Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Go ahead and put your hands down. Eyes open, looking around. From now on, you bear the marks of Christ. And every time that that doesn't feel like it's true, you go to that cupboard, you get that bread, and you break Jesus again. You drink of his blood again. And you do that in remembrance of the covenant that he has established for you. Let's welcome Pastor Barb this morning.